The holiday season is now upon us. The year is absolutely flying by, and the news never stops. That's why we at the DSR Network have expanded our programming to cover even more of the world's events. We hope you will consider supporting our work by becoming a member. Members enjoy an ad-free listening experience, bonus content for virtually all of our shows, an invitation to the member-only Slack community, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of November, you can take 50% off the membership price for the first month. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code STUFFING at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code STUFFING. Thank you very much for your support. Nine. Twelve. Ten. Twenty-eight. Two. Twenty-three. This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's uh, that time of the week when we turn our attention to things that have to do with the intelligence community. Uh, I'm David Rothkopf, one of your co-hosts here on The Spy Show. Your other co-host is, of course, the famous Mark Polymeropoulos. How are you doing today, Mark? I'm doing well. I noticed something. Um, it might have been two nights ago that you tweeted out, David, that you stayed up all night to watch the Formula One race in Las Vegas, which I did not, but I was following kind of the debacle that, well, that apparently I occurred I, there. Actually, I said I was awake during the Formula One race. <laughs> did you watch it? I, I woke up uh, you know, <laughs> around 1.30 in the morning, and so I thought, oh, well, I'll watch the race. Uh, but I've watched every Formula One race this year. A, so, so I want you to know that was fan. actually going to be my my first uh, cover for CIA. I was going to be I was going to be a non official cover officer, and I was going to be a Formula One race driver. Do you believe me when I just said that? No. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> no, no. Um, anyway, uh, we're here to talk about a dimension of the intelligence community that doesn't get enough conversation. We've got a special guest, Dr. Kenneth DeCleva worked for 16 years as a regional medical officer psychiatrist with the U.S. Department of State. DeCleva, who speaks five languages, served in some of the hardest overseas assignments, including the U.S. Embassy in Moscow. He uh, has not only helped profile international leaders for the U.S. government, he was integral in providing mental health services to our diplomats and intelligence officers serving abroad. And I don't want to forget, He's the author of two novels, The Negotiators Crossed and The Last Violinist. Um, Dr. DeCleva, welcome. Thank you very much for having me on your show. It's a pleasure to be with both of you. Uh, let me turn to Mark for the first question. Sure. Well, well first of all, this is, a, this is a treat for us. I think it's going to be a treat for our listeners because um, you know, we're going we're gonna to kind of dive into this issue of leadership profiling, which actually, if you're in the intelligence business or in the U.S. government as a whole, is actually is very, very important. Um, but, I, but let me just, you know, before we jump in, I will have to mention, um, uh, Ken, that, that the Spyscape Museum in New York City called you the, quote, spy whisperer, which I think is one of the kind of the great titles. And you, maybe you should have that 
on your website as you know as you as, as you kind of are starting off all your talks because I think that's a uh, pretty impressive. Thank you. Yeah, I enjoyed that. That was kind of neat of them to do that. <laughs> so, so you've written and spoken extensively about leadership profiling. So, perhaps you can tell us a bit, a bit about this kind of niche but critical role for the USG. You know, why is it important? How are these profiles used by policymakers? What are the challenges of getting it right? What kind of intelligence goes into the profile? And, and then maybe a war story or two on how one of the profiles was used uh, by a president or secretary of state, perhaps you know, before a bilateral meeting or, or a summit. Okay, sure, for sure. This this tradition really it's it's a niche and it's really part of a larger piece of what what's called intelligence analysis. It's one piece of a larger puzzle. Started during World War II, uh, during the OSS, when General William Donovan, the director of the OSS, uh, was asked by President Roosevelt to develop a, a psychological profile of Germany's Chancellor Adolf Hitler. This was in late 1942 as the tides of war were beginning to turn and the the U.S. government and its allies were interested in how Hitler would react as the war turned against him. So uh, he called a friend of his, Dr. Langer, who was a psychiatrist and psychoanalyst at Harvard, and told him to develop a team and put together a profile. So that's what Langer did. And this was uh, declassified and published. It's available on Kindle for a few dollars as the mind of Adolf Hitler. And what the model that he used is very similar to the model that, that I use and that my colleagues in the intelligence community have used, including my, my mentor and friend, the late Dr. Gerald Post, who really founded this discipline at CIA from the mid-60s till the mid-80s, and then later at GW University for the next 35 years or so. And that is you try to understand the person as as they see themselves, the leader, as they're seen by others close around them in their inner circle, and how the larger society sees them. So you rely on different types of primary sources, secondary sources, including a leader's writings, speeches in today's world, social media, tweets, postings, Instagram, photos, and, and videos. For In terms of looking at medical health, videos can offer a lot of important clues as to a leader's health. So you put all those pieces together and most of most of the data is in today's world gonna be unclassified. There may be a small percentage that comes from human sources close to the leader or signals intelligence, but based on what Dr. Post told me, the late Dr. Post, probably even in the, in the intelligence community, 90 to 95% of the data are, are unclassified. And in today's world, they're easier to get. Uh, so th- I'm really part of a tradition of profiling adversary leaders that goes back to World War II and to the height of the Cold War and is more important now than ever. I, I will point out for your uh, listening audience, as colorful and fascinating as American politicians are, I don't profile American politicians. And I don't profile allies for similar complex reasons. There are enough bad guys out there and adversary leaders that we need to understand and we often get wrong that that keeps me and my my colleagues in academia and the intelligence world very, very busy. To answer Mark's other question, uh, the high point of this really for Dr. Post was mentioned in President Carter's uh, memoir, Keeping Faith where he talked about the importance of the Camp David profiles, which are declassified and available 
online uh, in helping President Carter understand the personalities and the political psychology of Menachem Begin and Anwar Sadat in leading up to the successful Camp David talks. And since we're talking about President Carter, my condolences go out to the Carter family uh, uh, for the loss of Rosalind Carter, who was a remarkable first lady and a real champion for mental health. So in, in terms of this uh, subset of, 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 of profession and, and your professional work, has the advent of um, social media, the, 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 the kind of uh, tsunami of open source information that's now available regarding people, changed it, made it more accurate, uh, or... Uh, you know, is it now starting to complicate it as we start seeing um, uh, deep fakes and uh, 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 and the, and and the like? Uh, I'm thinking most recently, of course, of the fact that there's a controversy—not one I believe, by the way—but there is a controversy about whether the Vladimir Putin we're seeing in a lot of these images is actually Vladimir Putin. Um, and, you know, are there, you know, doubles for Vladimir Putin or more? Um, uh, but I'm just wondering, we live, in, we live in a world where there's constant flows of information. How does that make this harder or easier? It, it, makes, it, it, it makes it harder in a way because there's just that much more data to analyze. So if you look at social media data, tweets, writings, secondary sources and postings about a given leader, so that's that's a huge uh, challenge, and there the intelligence community is actually looking at novel technologies in addition to this kind of psychobiographical and psychological approach that Dr. Post really invented and I've used, and medical approach. They're looking at things like psycholinguistic analysis of social media tweets and looking at you know keywords and things like that. This is something that a that. AI can do, and the government's looking at it, and there are corporations out there and academics that are doing pioneering studies uh, in this regard, looking at trying to predict things like you could analyze uh, social media from terrorist websites to look and see if certain words that keep popping up are predictive of a possible attack, for example. Or you can look at facial recognition videos. There are now uh, companies. uh, that are made up of former U.S. government national security professionals, uh, both in this country and other countries such as in Europe, in Israel, and of course in China, that can take a 30-second selfie and get your blood pressure, your heart rate, your temperature, your chronological age, your stress level, looking at um, at data that's derives from the work of a psychologist named Paul Ekman, where you can register different emotions by looking at micro expressions with computer algorithms, AI algorithms that are too tiny to be detected by the human eye. So fear, anger, disgust, joy, happiness, uh, rage. So the, these technologies will uh, are now in their infancy, but will be combined to, to, add other data to the analytic data and providing a profile of a given lead. You know, this kind of technology would have instantly blown Mark's cover as a Formula One <laughs> race driver. 
Um, there would have been far too many clues that that was that was that was with his Red fear. Sox T-shirt. He could have been Moberg. You know, there. Oh, nice. There you Moberg, go. Nice reference. I really Espionage. That. Yes, that's a good one. So, so Ken, if you were if you're in government now um, and thinking about profile, we're going to have fun with this now because I want to throw out four names of world leaders, and you can do maybe you know maybe a minute or two on each. Um, let's do uh, Putin, Netanyahu, Xi, and Kim Jong Un. And if you had a you know one minute brief to give to um, you know President Biden or or, or the Secretary Secretary Blinken, you know what would just what would your elevator pitch be for for those four? I, I'm going to talk about three and add a fourth one instead. I'm going to talk okay, about yeah, please. Putin and Kim. I would say uh, they're rational in their own way. They're ruthless and they're remarkably resilient. Uh, they're, they're, that makes them formidable adversaries. Uh, Putin is healthy, uh, and, and Director Burns has echoed what I've written about and spoken about, that for his age, Putin is remarkably healthy. He's not going away yet. She is a formidable leader, probably the most formidable and successful of these adversaries uh, that we face in the world today. And the Economist in 2017 called him the most powerful leader in the world. And as an American citizen and as a patriot and as a former government diplomat, it pains me to say that. I kind of agree with that. Uh, so I think these are really formidable adversaries. Kim is a dangerous and formidable and highly intelligent adversary who's young, who has some health issues. But if those are managed, which they can be could be around as an adversary for a very long time. He's 30, 38 or 39 years old. So that really, that, that's a huge challenge for the U.S. government in this new era of state versus state competition where you have this kind of new axis, if you will, of alliances between uh, Russia, North Korea, China, and I would add Iran. I would add Ibrahim uh, uh, Raisi to that mix. He's a, a dangerous and formidable and highly intelligent opponent who's 63 years old and really is the architect now of Iran's policies in this kind of Shia crescent in the Middle East. And everything that we see happening with Iranian proxies in Lebanon, with Hamas, with the Houthis, he's behind it. And he's likely to be the next supreme leader. And because he's young, 62 and healthy, he has a way to go. Whereas the supreme leader is 84, Ayatollah Khamenei, and has late stage prostate cancer. So it's not clear how much time he has left. So Raisi is someone we want to understand and, and is a formidable and dangerous opponent as well. And I would classify him in that same category of being very rational, uh, very resilient, and extremely ruthless. And his ruthlessness goes way back to when he was a sentenced thousands of Iranians to death in the 1980s. And then, of course, it spearheaded the crackdowns, including the famous one of the death of Mahsa Amini last year, but also is hardwired and connected uh, with all the religious institutions, which Iran, where he headed a foundation that takes care of them and with the IRGC. So that makes him a very dangerous opponent that our intelligence community will want to study carefully. So, so when, when you, when you give this, you know, when, when, a, when a, the, the president of secretary of state has this profile, 
in their hands. They're reading it. They're preparing for the summit. How does that even affect policy? You know, would they actually call the leadership analyst in who's prepared this? And then, and then, you know, does that does that matter in a bilateral meeting? Um, you know, how do you action this? It would it would matter in the sense that it might make it into the president's daily brief, as David Priest has written about where it's relevant, that the parts that are relevant about Putin's health or or about Xi in terms of his aspirations or Kim Jong-un's aspirations, is is he someone that we can negotiate with uh, as President Trump uh, admirably uh, attempted to do in 2018 and 2019? Uh, and, and I hope, I pray someday diplomacy will return because that's the only answer in dealing with, with North Korea. Our, our leaders will want to know, and our allied leaders, is not only how these leaders politically and psychologically respond to crises, such as the many that we have now, the war in Ukraine or the Israel-Hamas war or the tensions in the Taiwan Strait or the, the North Korea's advancement of its missile and nuclear programs, which has proceeded apace uh, since uh, President Trump left office. We want to know what, how would the president, our leader, use these to ne- use this understanding to be in the room and negotiate with them. So negotiation psychology, as well as crisis response, is a very important part of this work. So the relevant parts would probably be go through that process that leads to the presidential daily brief, and and, uh, and might become part of it. But the tricky part of this is, and and I will say that my profiles have have been read at the highest levels of the U.S. government. I know this for a fact. They've been read by by foreigners. The Russians have taken my profiles and translated them and cut out the parts they didn't like and edited them and posted them on Russian media. Uh, I have I know that the North Koreans have quoted me on their state media website. So. Our adversaries are well-informed. To think that they're not well-informed is, is foolhardy. So, And they have people that do the same thing our leadership analysts do. They're looking at our leaders. So I think it's, it's – but it's hard to measure influence because our leaders, like many of our adversary leaders, by the time they rise to leadership roles, are in their 60s, 70s, uh, and they have formed opinions and ex- life experiences of their own. So the issue of influence is really hard to measure in this. Just because it gets in the PDB or gets a lot of likes on social media, does it change someone's thinking? Or is it more of a confirmation bias where uh, the president might get a PDB and say, yeah, that's what I've thought all along. I agree with that. And there's a risk there of groupthink. And all of us who've been in the government know the dangers of groupthink where you could Everyone in the room could be right and be wrong. So that's that's the tricky part in leadership analysis. Um, it's a pity that we're just doing this on the day that a new president of Argentina was elected, because he seems like a real lunatic, and it would have been interesting uh, to uh, to get your perspective. Uh, but uh, I, I want to go back to your comments about uh, Xi. Uh, because I had a conversation with a senior U.S. government official, and the senior U.S. government official said to me, I've seen the classified intelligence. She is a psychopath. Um, and I was like, hmm, that doesn't really scan with anything I've seen. 
and it could have been bullshit. But um, how you know how how do you respond to you know uh, an, an an assertion like that that seems so out of step with you know the data? First of all, I I don't think psychological terms are that helpful, and and uh, readers and listeners to my profiles will note that. I don't use a lot of psychological or psychiatric language. I presented a profile of Kim um, in an unclassified uh, U.S. government setting to a large group, part of a panel, several years ago. And one of the questioners said, Dr. DeCleva, you're a psychiatrist, but you haven't used a single psychiatric term to discuss Kim. I said, because that terminology is not helpful. I, and I, I think the other thing that helps me in this work is I've talked to people who've been in the room with every single leader I've profiled. Some have spent one-on-one FaceTime with the leader. So that, again, that doesn't mean, that's just another data point, an item that you kind of weigh in because that can bring its own biases in. But using terms like psychopath, thug, dictator, that doesn't help the president, uh, when he's sitting in the room negotiating with President Putin or President Xi or Chairman Kim uh, in terms of how are they going to react if we do this? What if we put forward this negotiating proposal? Can they be trusted? Can they work with us as a negotiating partner in, in, in this regard? That's, that's the kind of answer they want. They really want the nuances more and the higher level effects of, of diplomatic negotiations and of these crises. So the tricky part isn't the psychology. Um, It's kind of interesting and cute, but that's something psychiatrists can discuss over cappuccino. But what what our leaders and national security professionals want is, what are the unseen higher order effects? So that's the part, you have to understand the cultural, historical, political, economic, diplomatic context that the leaders operate in. So that's that's the part that's more relevant. That's uh, very helpful. This is the point in our podcast where we say to everybody who's listening who's not a member, we wish you were a member. And uh, the way to do that is to go to the dsrnetwork.com uh, and click on membership. And for $5 a month, you get to be a member. Uh, and we are doing so much programming, we can really use the help of having more members. And if you're somebody who's listening a lot, you know, but would be a nice thing if you would uh, provide this kind of support. Um, if you're not a member, however, you can't listen to the members-only portion of each and every podcast. Uh, that's about to follow here. So if you're not a member, bye-bye for now. And if you are a member, stand by. <laughs>